0: Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. uh, Matthew chapter 28. And there are all kinds of ways that we can serve within the household of faith. People with disabilities, the aging, uh, children with handicapping conditions, uh, mothers and fathers of special needs kids. Um, There are all kinds of ways we can provide service. So I I think it's, it's looking at Christ and his example. He set the best example when it comes to reaching out to people with Um, disabling conditions
1: i'm dan darling and this is the way home podcast this episode is brought to you by the erlc national conference on august 25th and 26th visit erlc.com slash events I have been blessed to interview quite a few people in my life, but it could be that the next conversation is my favorite. Johnny Erickson Tata is, to me, a real-life hero. A diving accident almost 50 years ago might have made her a quadriplegic, but it did not destroy her soul. In the half-decade since, Johnny has shown the world what it means to suffer well, with pain, to advocate for those who are disabled, and to give human dignity to those who might otherwise be discarded. Her ministry, Johnny and Friends, is broadcast all over the country and has donated wheelchairs to disabled people around the world. She's written numerous books and recorded music albums. She's advised presidents and counseled leaders. But most of all, her and her husband, Ken, have shown the church what it looks like to live in daily dependence on God. Today, Johnny sat down with me and discussed human dignity, suffering well, and what has sustained her through many years of ministry. Johnny, thank you so much for joining us. Good to be with you. So it's, it's a real honor to have you here. Uh, there, there's a lot of things we could talk about. I think, uh, first of all, I want to just talk about your advocacy for a long time for, for the disabled, for the vulnerable that society is tempted to sort of cast aside. Uh, you've served on presidential commissions and you advise candidates, but you're also really speaking into the culture. And... What is it that motivates you uh, to really be an advocate this way?
0: Well, I must uh, say that um, years ago, I certainly would not have seen myself as a strong advocate for the medically fragile, Mm -hmm. people in comas, stroke survivors, the elderly, Mm. uh, newborns with disabilities, the unborn
1: Mm. uh,
0: with handicapping conditions. Never, ever would I have cast myself in the position of an advocate. But when I broke my neck at the age of 17 and became a quadriplegic without use of my hands or my legs. It opened up to me a whole new world of those who are indeed extremely vulnerable. Mm. I saw this when I was stuck on a geriatric ward for two years in a state institution Mm. uh, long before there was um, good rehabilitative care for people like me, uh, wheelchair users. And uh, when I saw the abuses against people with disabilities people who were elderly. Um, I was only 17, Mm. and it struck me that, oh my goodness, there's a world here that I need to learn more about. Mm. And to be sure, at first I was resistant against the idea of um, liking life in a wheelchair. Um, I thought I was confined to a wheelchair. I thought it was uh, a prison. Mm. But when I began to run to Christ, began to lean on God for help and hope, I began to see that this was the very prison that was going to set my spirit free. Mm. And uh, I'm so grateful that in God's wise providence, he He did just that. He set me free from my wheelchair. Mm. And and I want other people to experience that same freedom in Christ. Mm.
1: I think when a lot of evangelicals think about being pro-life, they they think rightly, you know, about uh, the unborn. But it seems like sort of their pro-life ethic stops there. And one of the things that you've helped us recover, I think, is this idea of of being pro-life for all of life, that it's not just about the unborn, but there's also other areas where human dignity is being compromised. Uh, Why is that so important?
0: Absolutely, it's important, because um, when we talk about pro-life issues, sanctity of life issues, the sacredness of life, that includes the the person in the so-called persistent vegetative state, a term that Mm. I I don't like it all because it likens people to vegetables, and mm. there are better terms uh, for for people in those conditions. But it 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 makes that person and his life, her life just as valuable, um, worth just as much as anyone who's healthy, able-bodied, fit, athletic, um, has all their cognitive skills, mm. um, a good communicator. Um, we in this country we tend to judge people by. What they can do or what they cannot do, um, how good they can articulate their opinions, um, how well they think, are they good decision makers, are they shakers and movers, are they, we we tend to place a high value on on people like that.
1: Winners and losers, right?
0: Winners and losers, but in God's eyes, um, all of us, all of us need him, all of us need his grace, Mm -hmm. all of us are worth uh, dignity and respect. And um, that's why I, I'm such a avid campaigner for not just issues relating to people with disabilities, but also the elderly and newborns with disabling conditions, mm. and uh, those in comas, uh, those who uh, have cerebral palsy and who are, are nonverbal. Mm. Um, these people have just as much um, dignity as 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 uh, our our loved ones that we. Um, you know, call our family mm. members. These are the people that God loves. If you look at the scriptures, just look at who Jesus hung out with. Mm. On every page of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, he's hanging out with somebody with a handicapping condition. He's mm. he's gravitating toward blind beggars. He's striking up conversations with paralyzed guys, you know, sitting on a straw mat by the bull of Bethesda. He's, he's constantly reaching out to uh, the deaf, the blind, counseling, of the fathers of little boys with seizures. Jesus always gravitated to the, quote, least of the brethren. And um, and it's interesting because the epistles uh, speak about this. Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, he talks about those who, quote, seem to be weaker. You know, they're not weaker, but in our eyes they seem to be weaker. But then the apostle goes on to say that in that very weakness, God's power mm. can show up best.
1: Mm. It seems like God has always positioned his people to be advocating for those who don't have a voice. How would you encourage pastors and church leaders to really teach their people this concept of human dignity? Not not simply for the unborn, but for all of life. What counsel would you give?
0: Well, I'd, I'd point to Proverbs 31, where... Um, the Holy Spirit tells us to speak up for the rights of the needy, for those mm. who are destitute. I point to Psalm 82,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, where it says, Judge fairly. Um, uh, Give a voice for the voiceless. There there are so many passages in Scripture which indicate that um, people who have no voice in our culture, people whose, uh, whose rights are often trampled upon, these are the ones... Uh, that we should be championing. Mm. These are the ones that we advocate for. Um, To be pro-life, obviously, as you mentioned earlier, means to uh, campaign um, vigorously on behalf of those who are unborn. Mm. But what happens to the child who is born, who has multiple handicapping conditions? Mm. Um, What about him? What Mm. about um, the child who um, must receive 24-7 nonstop care? What what about that family? Mm. How can we help that mother and father? They need respite. They need encouragement. They need resources. They need someone to advocate for mm. them in this crazy healthcare system that we have. Mm. Now, how can we serve them? How can we partner with them? Uh, these are the ways that we can exhibit our our pro-life values, not just in the womb, but when that child with a disability is born, and when he grows up, um, opening up. Avenues of opportunity for him. Mm. Um, if indeed that person is qualified, then then considering em- employment. So this is a this is an issue that that touches every aspect of life and and every family. There's hardly a cul-de-sac in America that doesn't have somebody impacted by disability mm. or old age, uh, with all the complications that go with that, whether it's autism or Alzheimer's. Um, people. It, need to uh, need to sense that the body of Christ really cares mm. and that they are there to provide support and help. That is a pro-life stance.
1: Mm. I, I want to follow up on that by saying, you know, I think most Christians and most churches would say that we believe these things and we're against an ethic that, you know, sort of marginalizes the disabled. But I wonder if there's some ways, even in our congregations, and practical ways that we unintentionally send a message that you know, we're only looking for the, the able-bodied and the, 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 quote, best and brightest. Uh, how, how can churches create a culture in their congregations that, that reflects that ethic of, of pro-life, it, whole life? It's
0: interesting that you mentioned that because immediately as I was listening to you, I was thinking of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 where the Apostle Paul says to a, to a body of believers, to a church— He says, brothers, look around you and see who God has called into your numbers. Mm. It is not the wise, Mm. it is not the noble, Mm. it is not those of, of rich and wealthy birth. No, it is the unlikely, it is the unlovely, it is the unskilled. These are the people that God has brought into your numbers. And so don't, you know, look down on them, but understand that they come into the body to give you an opportunity to serve. You know, Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, uh, Matthew chapter 28, and there are all kinds of ways that we can serve within the household of faith, people with disabilities, the aging, uh, children with handicapping conditions, uh, mothers and fathers of special needs kids. Um, There are all kinds of ways we can provide service. So I I think it's, it's looking at Christ and his example. He set the best example when it comes to reaching out to people with um, disabling conditions. Mm. Um, and when I say disabling conditions, uh, I, I mean not just the guys with cerebral palsy who live in the local residential care facility. We're, we're talking about families in churches who, let's say the mother gets a diagnosis of cancer mm. and uh, she has to go through a long, arduous process of chemotherapy or the husband survives a heart attack and he is somewhat debilitated. Uh, survivors of chronic pain um, botched surgeries. There, there are all kinds of people mm. who exhibit infirmity, limitations, weakness, afflictions. Mm. Um, the body of Christ can really practice Christianity with its sleeves rolled up mm. by just looking at the need. Mm. What is the need, and how can mm. I meet it? And believe me, um, it 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 doesn't take much. So many people are fearful about. Um, sacrificing too much. Is this going to cost me too much time? Is, is this going to wear me out? Am I going to overcommit myself? Well, let me just give you an example. I'm a quadriplegic. I need, I need help to get up in the morning. My husband can't do it, do it all. I, I need someone to give me a bed bath. I need someone to range of motion, exercise my legs. I need someone to strap on my corset and my binder, um, get me dressed, sit me up in a wheelchair, brush my teeth, brush my hair, blow my nose. Now, sure, that would be an awful lot for one person to do. But I've got about 20 different women Mm. who, on seven different mornings and evenings, help me in about 50 different ways. Wow. But because I spread my needs out among uh, people in my church so that they only have to offer maybe, what, two, three hours a week, it's doable. Mm. All it takes is a little bit of creative thinking, a little bit of risk-taking, and you can meet the needs mm. of families affected by disability. It can yeah. be done.
1: That's a great answer. I want to transition a little bit to a project that you're working on called the Beyond Suffering Bible that you're working on with Tyndale, which I just think is a is such a great resource. And one of the things I think, besides your advocacy for the vulnerable and you've really helped the church think through suffering. we've I mean, we've basically watched you walk through times of suffering, and and this sort of help us articulate a theology of suffering. And so talk about this project a little bit, and how do you think it will help the, the church?
0: Well, there's so many people I know, like myself, when I was first injured. I, I knew that the Bible probably contained answers for my desperate plight, but I had nowhere to look. Mm-hmm. To me, God didn't seem very good if he allowed, especially if he ordained or planned this quadriplegia of mine, this this accident of mine, I had urgent, honest questions, and I was angry, but yet I had nowhere else to turn but the Word of God. I needed somebody to sit down next to me and walk me through the Bible and show me where God was good. How could He be good if Mm. He allows tragedies and accidents and illnesses and catastrophes of nature to occur? Mm. And um, I'm very grateful as I look back in my own life that there were skilled and seasoned believers who knew God's Word. And they sat with me and they walked me through the Bible, showed me those passages that could provide hope, comfort, and also some really tough answers to some hard questions. Mm. And so our team at Johnny and Friends decided to work with Tyndale Publishers in putting together a special edition of God's Word that would include um, lessons, sidebars, Uh, commentaries, Mm. profiles, um, everything to assist those who suffer in finding out the goodness of God in the pages of His Word. Mm. And I'm just grateful that this book, I believe, is going to be a huge asset to um, women who are struggling with cancer, uh, men who have survived strokes, uh, mothers and fathers who give birth, uh, give a birth to to a child with multiple disabilities. Uh, individuals who suffer accidents, illnesses, um, no matter what the affliction, chronic pain, this is a Bible for people who hurt. And I think that they'll receive a lot of inspiration and a lot of encouragement in its its pages. It's coming out in the fall of 2016, Mm -hmm. so be on the lookout for it. It's called The Beyond Suffering Bible, published by Tyndale.
1: What a great resource. What does Christian faithfulness look like in a changing culture? Join us in Nashville for the ERLC National Conference, August 25th and 26th. We will be joined by Russell Moore, Matt Chandler, Andy Crouch, Gabe Lyons, Brian Luritz, Alyssa Wilkinson, Karen Pryor, and others. We'll discuss politics, sports, business, art, discipleship, and more. Find out more at erlc.com events and use the coupon code WAYHOME for a 20% discount. Couple more questions. One of the things I wanted to ask is, as Americans, you know, living in a prosperous country and thinking about the American dream, I wonder if sometimes Christians are not conditioned for suffering. Uh, We would both disagree strongly with the prosperity gospel message, but I wonder if some of us, even if we disagree with that, have kind of, you know, imbibed some of that in our theology, you know, that not we're not supposed to suffer.
0: We have have bought it hook, line, and sinker. Mm. We really don't know how to deal with suffering. Uh, We live in such a secluded, isolated community in America. We have no idea how most of the world lives. Um, I'm thinking of one billion people with disabilities, 80% of whom live in developing nations. Mm. And they live on the very lowest rung of the ministry priority ladder. And yet they are some of the happiest people Mm. you'd ever want to meet. And we have delivered wheelchairs in over uh, 95 countries, and, wow. and I've been to at least 60 of those countries, mm. and And talking to some of these people with disabilities, it makes me understand God's Word, where we are told that He has made the poor of this world to be rich in faith. Mm. Um, here in America, um, we, we don't know how to deal with a broken ankle, let alone a broken neck, mm. and we struggle to... Um, come to grips to accept God's purposes and plan in it all. Um, I, I I I think often though of when I went through my own cancer journey with my husband Ken. I dealt with stage three cancer several years ago, and and being a quadriplegic, it's one thing, but then dealing with chronic pain is another. And then put on top of that, cancer and a rigorous uh, chemotherapy routine. It was it was all but. It just all but undid me. Mm. Yet I'll never forget, I was driving home with my husband, Ken, from a chemotherapy uh, session. And I was in my wheelchair tied down on the back of the van. But we were having this conversation through the rearview mirror. And we were talking about how suffering is like a little splashover of hell. It kind of wakes you up out of your spiritual slumber, kind of like, whoa, it gets you thinking about mm. the actual hell from which Christ has rescued us, mm. gets you appreciating what Jesus did to rescue us from uh, an eternity of, of horrible affliction. So then, when we pulled up into the driveway, we started talking about, well, then what are splash overs of heaven? Are they those easy, breezy, bright moments where all is sunny on the horizon and life is going well? And we're happy, and it's easy to smile. And we decided, no, 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 no. That those are not splashovers of heaven. A splashover of heaven is finding Jesus in your splashover of hell.
1: Mm.
0: You know, nothing is more precious than finding Jesus in the middle of your hell. Mm. Trouble is, we in America, Christians especially, we we don't like that. Mm. When suffering touches us, we want to medicate it, escape it. Surgically exorcise it, drug it, institutionalize it, divorce it, mm. do everything and anything, but live with it. We don't know how to live with it. But yet it is in the midst of suffering that we discover this, this this sweetness, this intimacy with the Lord Jesus that He only reveals about Himself in the midst of affliction. He is, yes, the Lord of joy, but He is also the man of sorrows. Mm. And we just don't know how to see sorrow and see suffering as the gateway to a more intimate, sweeter, tender um, friendship with the Lord Jesus. But indeed it
1: is. Well, thank you, Johnny, so much for joining us today. That's a great way to end, and I know a great encouragement for our, our listeners. And I uh, just thank you for what you've done for the body of Christ.
0: Well, I thank you for giving me an opportunity to speak to our listeners today. And I, I pray that um, if anybody who was listening is struggling, um, going through a painful time of affliction, deep disappointments, um, just remember 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21. Christ left us an example
1: mm-hmm. that we
0: should follow in his steps. So I know it's a difficult thing to take up your cross and daily follow him, but um, that cross is an opportunity to die to the sins that he died for on his cross. And that's a good path to mm-hmm. be on. It's a hard path, a painful path, but it's the best of paths. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Way Home Podcast. If you've enjoyed this conversation, please let us know by writing a review on iTunes. You can catch previous episodes on danieldarling.com. The Way Home is produced by Gary Lancaster, assisted by David Clossum, and scheduling by Marie Delph. The Way Home is a production of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention.